0: Welcome back.
1: Yeah. feels like we've done this a few times now. A few
0: times. Yeah. Strange things. Gremlins. Are upon us. Gremlins in everywhere. In the studio.
1: In the studio. when uh, And also when I, when I tried telling the story previously, a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff yeah. has
0: happened. So you had a cell phone that was recording the talk that you were giving, what you were sharing, yeah. and it stopped you've stopped recording and then the multiple, files went corrupt yeah and multiple then,
1: times files corrupted they wouldn't switch like iphone to i computer yeah. whatever they they wouldn't talk to each other so yeah yeah
0: it's really trippy you know uh just to be completely transparent we've recorded we've worked on recording this a couple of times and we By have a couple
1: tr- you mean this is this is our fourth yeah yeah fourth full take
0: fourth full take and uh we have done troubleshooting and we have our protocols that we do at the beginning and um, some
1: stuff that we cannot explain. Some some powers that be that do not want this out there. But you know what? We're, we're not going to let them stop us. No, we're not. We're, we're not going to get tired here. And I, I appreciate <laughs> you guys struggling yep. and, and wrestling with this with me because uh, I, I do think this is an important one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It really is. And that's why we're going to keep doing it. And if we have to do 100 takes, then so be it. We'll do it. Well, right now you said it. Yeah,
1: bring it on. <laughs> bring, it on. Point, bring it on. At this point,
0: we're in. We're in it to win it. So, no. So, uh, you know, we we we've been doing these and we've been talking about you know the critters here in the Southwest and stuff like that that are that are poisonous and deadly and um, it brought me back to the vacation that I took to Hawaii. I was mm-hmm. at Oahu and uh, <laughs> poor guy.
1: <laughs> Somebody had to do it.
0: Yeah, I know. It's, it was you know the the Big Island that was way nicer. Yeah, Oahu the little you know. But uh, it's more just congested, yeah. And uh, so, anyways, we went eh. to go, we went to do some uh, some snorkeling, and we needed to get some gear, so we rented some gear from a shop over there. And this lady was working in there, and she could tell that we weren't from there, and she's like, "Where are you guys from?" And we're like, "Oh, Arizona." In her face, she's like, "Whoa!" And I'm like, "Oh." Uh, she's like, "What part of Arizona are you from?" And I said, "Oh, the southern end." And she's even like, "Oh my gosh," she's like, "I would never live there." Ooh, taking I'm it like, personal. Well, why? She's like, you guys have so many poisonous critters there that are can kill you. And I was, I started thinking, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Scorpions, spiders, snakes, wasps, bees, like Africanized bees, and all that. Every plant has yeah, like a plants. two inch thorn. Yeah, you know? the jumping jumping toy cho- or jumping cactus. Yep. Yeah. So, and and you. Have unfortunately experienced numerous. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I've I, I, this last year I finally got to check off like my, my desert bite bingo card. Yeah, yeah. Certified yeah. scorpions, <laughs> you know, spiders, all all that stuff. Every every kind of plant that you get stabbed with. Yeah, that been there, done that. But yeah, the uh, this last year I got to, you know. Was bitten by a rattlesnake, a a, a romance novel of, of reptilian <laughs> nature. You no, no, it was it wasn't romantic at all. It was it was actually pretty traumatic, um, and and here we are now in February, and and I'm finally kind of ready to talk about it. Yeah, what kind of uh, rattlesnake was it? Do you know, we we've kind of had to back into that. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't told to us, but there's there's different effects of venom from mm-hmm. between a Mojave rattlesnake uh, or Mojave diamondback and a Western diamondback. Um, and and it was the differences in how that the venom really affected my body that yeah. makes us we're about 95% sure that it was a western diamondback. Ooh. Yikes. Yeah. Those things just look evil. They do. They, they really do. do. They really do. I didn't so, get much of a chance to look at this guy. It was pretty fast, yeah. but
0: So tell us how it all went down. How did this transpire? What yeah. what were you doing?
1: Well, last year, so this happened August 16th, 2021. About ten oh two in the morning if I want to get really specific because I remember it pretty clearly <laughs> uh, um, last year we had an amazing monsoon you know it was really heavy rain uh, a lot of big storms and if you're not from the southwest like we have some amazing storms here in the summertime called monsoons yeah and they they're usually just for the last few years actually that yeah it's yes. been like me eh, eh. yeah you know, there hasn't been great storms, but last year was just amazing. Like I think I saw
0: something. The average rainfall total in the area was 12 inches.
1: Yeah, and we're out. We're on the west side of town, out by the Tucson Mountains, mm-hmm. and we we actually put up our own little rain gauge because we're like, man, I think this is the year. Yeah, right? it's the year. It's, it's the year. And it was, we had like 14 and a half inches of rain, which is, I mean. For us, that was like the last three or four years, like combined almost. I think yeah. it was, and I know that year was like last year was. I think the first or the second by total mm-hmm. rainfall that we have on record. Yeah, right. And with all of that rain out here in the desert, the desert's very much just had water, and so we we ended up with just this huge explosion of life with all of that water. The the. It's I beautiful. Mean, my 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 huge. Uh, uh, ironwood tree or uh, in the front there. It got, it was growing like, like a foot a day. Insane. Like it, the canopy was just like, yeah. just kept going. Thank you and, for the food. Yeah. Oh, my God, water. What is this? <laughs> right? You know? But so the entire area was just gorgeous. There was, you know, yellow butterflies everywhere. All of the plants, huge and lush. Um, but with the wind and everything, all of those plants that grew super fast were breaking. Yeah. And so I was helping clean up a lot of that. I mean, we'd have trees down all over the place, you know, almost every day, because it was almost daily storms. Mm-hmm. And so I was I was doing a big cleanup, and I, I actually ended up on the out to the dump the week before, and I got in trouble, because I was just out there wearing my cowboy hat, and my cowboy boots, as you do, <laughs> as, as one does in yes. the Southwest, when in yes, Rome. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so... Guy come over shaking his finger and give me the business about not having my, my hard hat and my PPE. did not have my vest. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. But I just noticed, like, I could get out here and I could get rid of this. And I could go get another one if he's like, all right, man, just just wear your hard hat next time. So it rained through the weekend, and but it started clearing up, and so I thought, okay, we can go for it on Monday. So, mm-hmm. go out into my my garage, going to be a good guy, gonna go get my my hard hat, play by the rules, mm-hmm. and I'm also wearing like my muck boots because it's kind of gross out there at the dump. So I've got these big giant you know rubber boots on, and I wear a size 14 shoe. So I mean those. Those things are like everywhere. Dang. I can barely like control where they're going, right? Like it's yeah. like wearing snow skis or water skis, trying <laughs> to walk into through. Things. So yeah, and I just I <laughs> crash right into this box, right? And it's full mm-hmm. of just spray paint cans. And, like for effect, like a WD-40 can goes rolling off to the side. And as soon as I kick that thing, I just hear this oh, spraying. Yeah, like it was just a wet spray. I'm like, oh, I just lit it a can of spray paint, and I'm, I'm just <laughs> making a mess right now. I don't have time for this, so I just reach right on down, whack. I just—I knew it an instant that it had happened and what had happened, but I, also the thought through went through my head like, he didn't even rattle, like cheater, like it, the the direct response for me when I get you know hear a rattlesnake yeah. is you know scream like a girl and retreat, yeah. which is the correct response. I'm pretty sure if you look that up in a book, it's everywhere. Yeah. It says scream like a girl, turn, run. <laughs> ah. <laughs> you know, and that that's you know flee right and there's good reason they're dangerous animals mm-hmm. um so knew knew in an instant that it had happened um everybody asked me like dude what did you do with the snake I'm like uh nothing it was it was like buried entrenched in my tool wall there with all my stuff and he was i didn't even see him walking up i don't know exactly where he was i know when the firefighters came to get him it looked like a wwe smackdown went down there was like broken wow. levels and like just everything was just laid to waste everywhere. So they had to wrestle that guy out of there. Uh, but all they wrote down on the piece of paper was rattlesnake. Firefighters, thanks for getting them. Next time, if you know somebody's been bitten by a rattlesnake, give some details. Yeah. Like, what was it a sexy it? snake? Was it an evil <laughs> snake? Was it more than just a rat? Was it a Western Diamondback? Was it a Mojave? Like, yeah. was it one of those cool black ones that we only have here in Tucson? What's going on? What was it? But we had to piece that all together later. And then the other question I get asked is, man, what did that feel like? Right? Yeah. What, how, how did it feel? Well, at, when it first bit me, it, it hit my uh, – I was wearing a leather cuff at the time. This guy, Ryan the Anvil, he makes them out of Missouri. just makes really cool stuff, wallets and everything else. And I had one of his cuffs on, and – I can say for a fact that his is snake proof. He the snake yeah. bit and it bit into the the cuff, yeah. and it actually left a like a scratch on the cuff. I'll send you guys pictures of it, but wow. like you also see like a, a venom slick like coming down underneath there where the venom just leaked out onto the leather of the cuff. No kidding. And so then so it bit the cuff and me, and then let go and bit again on the way back out, and you know so I got hit with three fangs here, and if I got hit with the fourth, I I, I don't know how the story would change, but. We'll get into kind of what happened with that in a little bit. But that the first initial bite, all oh, I saw was this huge just, just the strike was so fast. Just this the streak out and back. And that was it, a bit twice in that amount of time. I just yanked my hand back, grabbed it, and saw the, the two puncture marks and was like, okay, rattlesnake. And at this point, usually I'd be, you know, throwing something, using four letter words, like, you know, just, <laughs> yeah. just being profoundly upset. Mm-hmm. But however, this time it just hit me and I was like, okay. Every second and every choice matters. Right? Yeah, like the, I'm, yeah, I'm just under like the life and death zone, right? Like I'm in the pocket of everything matters. So I just calmly went inside, and I asked my wife, "Hey, can you? I need you to go get me a belt. I just got bit by a rattlesnake." And she didn't even believe me at first. Yeah, like because, rightly so, she was expecting the Tasmanian devil <laughs> effect coming through. Just, was she like, just like, yeah, she was like, really, and I was like. I need you to go get me a belt. I need to make a tourniquet, and then we got to go to the hospital. Wow! And to her credit, she was amazing. She went. and She got the, the one of her like nylon belts, like mm-hmm. we had in football. You know, has yeah. like two little rings, and you slip it through, and <laughs> really cinches down nice. Use my teeth holding, and really, really got it on there. Yeah. And uh, I don't, I don't know if the audience is, is really like in on tourniquets, but yeah. Well, we'll
0: educate them. I mean, you know, tourniquets are used to stop uh, blood flow to extremities, especially mm-hmm. like during. Uh, a very violent attack or something like a gunshot wound or knife cutting or something like that. that or gets, even out on like construction sites, right? Yeah, like yeah anything. For,
1: for any, any deep wound yeah. that's, that's causing bleeding, uh, you want to pinch that off so that the yep. blood doesn't exit the body, right? Yeah,
0: because you'll live if you keep your blood right. inside. That's yeah, the, that, the idea. Yeah.
1: <laughs> It's funny how that works. Keep, keep the blood inside, <laughs> yeah. live, lose the blood. Yeah. Eh, not yeah. so much. Um, I was actually using it for the opposite effect, right? Like yeah. I, I didn't want the blood that was in my arm to go back into my body. Mm-hmm. So I've had heart issues in the past. Hold on a sec. Ah, Perrier. Ah. The crisp, for effect.
0: crispest of waters.
1: Um, I, I, I've had this history of heart problems. And so I had AFib and SVT previously, and I had an ablation to help me fix that. And I knew just enough about snake venom that rattlesnake venom is going to have its way with my heart eventually. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm pretty sure I can handle. Like, I'm not going to lose my arm to a tourniquet for an hour, however long I have it in there. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure I'm going to survive this venom hitting my heart before I'm at the hospital. So I cinched it down. My my wife got me to the hospital in, like, 13 minutes. I mean, I know that this happened at 10.02, Mm -hmm. and we were walking into the ER at, like, 10.20. Wow, that's fast. Yeah, she was a rock star. And, wow. you know, we had my, my two-and-a-half-year-old son with us at the point. His eyes were like saucers. He was just like, what is going on? I was trying to stay calm, A, to keep my, my heart rate in check, and B, yeah. not to freak him out too much and kind of keep everything as calm as possible. But we called 911 on the way. And so when I got in, they're like, oh, you're the snake bite guy. I was like, yeah, that's me. Had blood running down my arm on my pants. Like, it was, you know, that's not the most bloody thing in the world, but, you know, it's was just – Things happening and leaking out of my arm from the tourniquet, everything else. Yeah. But, so they get me right back there, and they start pretty immediately was trying to get some tests done. You know, they start running lines. I actually ran two IVs at the time. I was like, why two? Uh, apparently, you actually can't run anything with like the anti Yeah, like That line has to stay- clean, like, preserved for the administration of, of antivenin. Wow. So they had the other one for running everything else. Well, they start hooking me up to the, the water bags and everything else, getting getting fluids going, taking blood, all these things. Then, oh, we need you to pee in a cup. You know, a pretty standard procedure. Well, I was on my way to the dump, so I knew I was going to be gone for a while. So, you know, like a, like a pretty well-grown adult, said, you know, I'm going to go to the bathroom first. So I was barely able to give them, you know, just enough for a sample, trickled it Struggled, out there. Huh? And – at that point, that was, like, the last time I could actually urinate for, like, nine hours. Like, my kidneys were shut down almost immediately. And so, like I said, they had me hooked up to all these water bags. And, in, in like, the first, I don't know, like, five to seven hours, I put on, like, 18 pounds of water weight.
0: Because, yeah, because things were shutting down from <clears throat> yeah, the venom. From, from, wow. from the,
1: the venom. Like my, my, and they just kept pumping water in, which is what you do. But my body just could not actually process. My, my kidneys were <laughs> done. And that so, is scary. super scary, and and it, the the situation starts to really compound quickly. So when I came in with the tourniquet, they were like, "Why do you have this tourniquet on there?" Right? Like they were starting to scold me for it. I'm like, "Well, this is my history with my heart." And we kind of went through that. And They're like, "Oh, that was a smart move." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, crazy how it changed. Oh All yeah, yeah. genius. Like, oh man. Glad you thought of that. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, me too. And so they, they take it off and I s like the swelling was just incredible and it happened immediately. Um, we didn't really talk about it, but like after the bite, like it felt like a, like I hit with a hammer. Like somebody struck me with just a came in Yeah. Just like over the head, just like it felt like it broke my wrist. You ever seen
0: that movie Casino? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Where they take him in the money room? Yep. And, and they, they grab, they grab put the hammer. hammer. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh. So it's so Yeah, that's pretty much what it felt like, right? Like it it felt like my wrist was shattered. I know it wasn't. They took X-rays. They're actually looking to see if a fang was still in there. That's one of the things that they check for with the X-ray. They're like, nope, it's not broken. I'm like, feel like it's
0: broken. Would you have worn that on your neck if you
1: had that? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm a little bit hurt that I don't have like a hide, (laughs) like a wallet, some boots, like a little hat band, yeah, something. Uh huh. But uh, anyhow. The right one of the reasons that I was like, oh, I need to get this tourniquet, is I could feel that venom starting to go up the back of my hand, like almost immediately. Yeah. And that felt like like a, just really strong, like a, like a battery acid or something, just bubbling through my veins. And then it felt like wow. somebody like chased after that with a torch, like on the top of my skin. It felt like my, my skin was just boiling on the outside or being burned by fire. No. And no, no way. people, so they're like, well, what kind of pain are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm like a nine and a half. You know, and I'm breathing like I'm, I'm trying to check my breathing and everything because I'm, I'm just trying to cope. Yeah. Right. And just for like reference, pain and I go back a little way. Like <laughs> you got some I've, experience. Yeah. I've, I've, I've done some things. I've had had some had some hurts, had some owies. Uh, last year I passed nine kidney stones and went to the hospital for one of them. That was a seven and a half millimeter stone. And they just sent me home with like some Flomax and Tramadol. And they're like, you got this. Best champ. of luck to you, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> call, call me when you got it done. What are you going to name it? <laughs> And so you know, I almost broke the toilet when that one came out, but like oh, so this was more painful than that by a long shot by a long shot. Wow. actually, when I, they kept having me try to urinate so they could get more urinate sa- well, urine samples, and when I would stand up, the heart monitor would would report tachycardia because at that point, it felt like my my blood vessels were just exploding, like they were splintering like remember in science class you'd have those tiny little glass pipettes, and they would break, and it just mm-hmm. kind of that's what my veins felt like they were doing. Oh. And there's a reason that it felt like they were doing that. You know, I I've kind of become a, 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 a like pseudo pro in, in snake venom. Yeah. And the, the Western Diamondbacks venom actually causes your veins to like shred. They, they start leaking and, and breaking nice. apart. It also increases your blood pressure, like sends your blood pressure through the roof. And it's an, an anticoagulant, which means that your blood's not going to clot anymore. So the reason that you start swelling as much is, yes, a reaction to the venom itself, but it's also because your capillaries and your smaller vessels and everything are exploding. Yeah. And you're just leaking out from the inside. And so this is happening quickly when they take that off. Like, they're trying to draw lines as, you know, to mark the time here. And they're moving mm-hmm. the, that line up by, like, two or three inches, like, every 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, it ended up going all the way over past my shoulder, um, <laughs> my, my, like, upper arm was so swollen by the end of the day that it looked like a like a character from like a I don't know some kind of like muscle balance like something but it was just weird and globby and just oh, man. yeah very strange Um, so I'm dealing with all this in the ER and they're looking for a room for me up in the ICU they're like we got to get you up there and we're we're waiting and we're waiting oh and to the antivenin thing the the first dose of antivenin that they gave me was 20 uh, vials of antivenin
0: 20 vials
1: yeah so they started that in the ER and, and getting that going. And it started to slow down the, the swelling a little bit. Um, and it's funny. We're, we were in 2021 at the time, 2022 now. But like we're, we're as we're as well-versed in snake bites now as we were like 2,000 years ago. <laughs> not a lot of progress, huh? No, not not a lot of like we really understand this. And apparently that because it goes all the way down to like what kind of snake, the age of the snake, the diet of the snake, this, that, the other thing. Like there's so many variables kind of mood to was he in? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this guy was I mean, pissed apparently. Like, yeah. Uh, we ended up. All said and done, that first twenty four hours with thirty four vials of anti being administered. Thirty four vials. Thirty four, and and to kind of put a, put a pin in the story right now, and kind of go back to give that some some relevance. Like your your average is like ten. So to, to give my kids kind of a, a way to understand what happened to Dad, I pulled up like a, a documentary about mm-hmm. this guy that deals with bushmasters in South America, and a very venomous snake as well. And he uh, he ends up getting struck by it, and you know the documentary guy voice cinematic he was administered 10 vials of anti and i'm looking at this and i'm going and like survived yeah survived <laughs> and i'm like man get on my level I right did in the first two minutes yeah come on man like 10 man i'll see your 10 and move your 20 yeah. in my first go right and then add Yikes. 14 to that now now we're talking yeah. right so <clears throat> extreme envenomation is what this gets categorized underneath so um at first we were wondering what kind of like What's What type of snake here? Because that snake bit twice, I had two holes that were like a half inch apart. Holy cow. So a lot of them thought, oh, well, it was a baby, right? And everybody goes, oh, the baby snake. Like, that's the most dangerous. They yeah, can't control their that's venom. That's what I've been told, yeah. Yeah, everybody, every, oh, you got bit by a baby. That's so bad. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I've got like holes on the bottom of my hand and like over here and like other parts that are bleeding. And I'm like, there's no way that baby hit me like five or six times in the reach that he would have to have. Like maybe mm-hmm. baby couldn't have that. I'm starting to put it all together. And that's when I looked at the back of my my cuff and I saw the other scratch and I kind of lined it up and was like, no, I got bit twice by fangs that were a good inch, inch and a half mm-hmm. apart. They just, he bit twice on the way back. And started so putting that all together. So the reason that that's important is because the adult Diamondback, they can actually administer like 20 to 30 times the volume that a young'un can. Wow. So, like, when when you're talking about rattlesnakes, no bigger is worse. <laughs> like yeah. That, none is good. Like zero out of five stars from the experience. I do not recommend getting bit by any rattlesnake. That's yeah. whatsoever. My Yelp review is always going to suck for the rattlesnake. Yeah. Um. But you know, it's 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 very interesting to understand the the myths that are out there too. And mm-hmm. apparently, they don't always rattle, which I can vouch for that too. Yeah. So, and in fact, what I've heard is that a lot of times that from the ER they said, you know more and more times people are getting bit. They reported not rattling. Like, we're actually doing kind of like an unnatural selection because we hear a rattle, we kill it, right? Yeah. So, like, there's this weird thing kind of going out there. So, we always assume that we're going to hear the rattle and be able to yeah, to, to yeah. flee, run like a for girl, sure. like I said. But apparently that's becoming less and less common. So, word to the wise. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're looking for a room in the ICU. And, again, this is, this is the summer of 21, right? Mm-hmm. So, COVID, everything else is gone. The hospital's full. And yeah. it's probably about – I don't know. It's been about like six hours since I was bit before they get me uh, up there to the ICU, mm-hmm. and then I was in the ICU for a few more hours. Besides the the pain and the swelling and everything increasing and increasing and increasing, not a whole lot is is, is changing as far as the venom actually hitting anything else. Like we're not noticing anything else. Okay. So there's this feeling of waiting for like that that other shoot to fall, right? Like just okay, what what's going on? Tick tock, tick tock. Somewhere around, uh, you know, sunset, I could, the colors were changing outside, I was looking out there, and then the, the alarms in my room started going off. Not just like the, the tachycardia one, because I'm trying to, you know, give them another sample yeah. or something, but like the, the big alarms. You know, it goes from beep, beep, beep to like, eh, 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 and And all of a sudden, those, those two beautiful words that you never want to hear when you're in the hospital, code blue, get called out by the little robot that monitors that kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, I wonder who that's for. It's for me. You know, oh, like man. an entire stampede of, of nurses and doctors start running in the room. And and things got really interesting really fast. The The biggest thing that sticks out to me from the beginning of this and, and all of the chaos is that they stuck this uh, oxygen mask on my face. And they just kind of plowed that thing on. <laughs> and, and they had it kind of off to the side and taped up by my eye. So I, I remember that. my Stress big, move. Yeah. Just, I mean, they got it in the mostly right place and it worked. So yeah. good for them. But I'm kind of looking out of this taped eye and everything else, watching the monitors with my left eye, and things are just going from bad to worse, like, quickly. And since this started, I realized, like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of in a, in a position. Obviously, you know, every decision is going to matter. Yeah. But also, like, I am, I'm no longer in control. Mm-hmm. Like, this has happened. That's scary, man. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're, I'm like a type AAA personality that I like to control. Everything I possibly can. and get kind of upset when I can't. But at this point, it was just one of those lessons of, like, oh, there's nothing I can do. Buckle up. Buckle up. My, my butt's in the seat. The ride has started. And At this point, it was basically, like, at the top of the roller coaster, like, when the clink, clink, clink stops. Yeah. And you're looking out at just how far your dumb decision got you above the ground yeah. level. <laughs> and you're starting to reel with the effect of, like, okay, now now we're going. Like, mm-hmm. this ride is going to go. Yeah. And so all of this is happening. And I start sitting in all the chaos. I go, well, it's time to talk to God about this a little bit, right? And so, I, I just admit, you know, I'm I'm really afraid here. I, I know I don't have control. You do. Um, let's I'm, I get into kind of deal making mode too. Yeah. Like, hey, I I really want to survive. You know, I got a wife. I got two beautiful kids. I want to be around. Let's can can we can I make a request? Can we can we trick the devil? Yeah. Can we like use this this weapon formed against me for good? Like, can can you use this venom to burn out everything that you don't want in me and like leave the parts of me that you do? Yeah. We'll get back to that in a bit, but this, I I, I say that's really sincere prayer. I mean, I kind of joke about it a little bit and my tone goes around, but it was, it was a very serious thing. Like, please get me out of this, please get me to the other side and you can use me and when I when actually I'll, I'll kind of go back a little bit because we'll we'll have to talk about this in a little bit later. I joined my, my faith like when I was seventeen, a little bit later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom always tried to get me to go to church. It just wasn't for me. I didn't didn't see myself reflected in that area. Yeah. And then I had an experience that kind of brought me to that faith, and with with zero zero doubts. So I had a very scientific mind. It was like if this can exist, then that can exist. Everything's in balance. Mm-hmm. And I saw something that made me go, okay, well if that can exist, then so can God. Yeah. Right. And I chose God's team. And at that point, I said, "What do you want me to do in all of this?" And he said, "Oh, I want you to be a shepherd." Okay, so I actually started teaching uh, teaching Sunday school as a, as a very new to the faith kind of guy. I jumped right in, read the Bible, did all that, and and got myself pretty well versed enough. And my my church at the time needed somebody to help with the help with the junior and senior high. So mm-hmm. I jumped in there at like. 18, 19 years old and started teaching kids that were like five to, you know, eight years younger than me. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool because there was like kind of a peer effect there. Yeah. But um, anyhow, we're, we're going through this whole thing here. and We'll kind of touch back to that on a little bit where all of a sudden it starts calming down after that prayer, after everything, like hour and 15 minutes into this whole process. They're working on me for an hour and 15 minutes through all this. And I'm just yeah. thinking I'm going to die. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the the, the alarms are starting to kind of quiet out. And the the numbers in the room are decreasing. Like the doctors and the nurses, they're starting to spend their time on other stuff. It's not Mm -hmm. as intense. Okay. Like, then they're, okay, we've got you stabilized. We're going to watch you. Mm -hmm. You know, hang tight. Let us push the button if you need anything. So then, you know, I'm I'm kind of waiting in that that quiet. And I hear another code blue start. I'm like, here we go again. It wasn't for me, though. It was for the guy to the room on my right. They're yelling his name. Won't oh, repeat it here out of privacy. But, like, they kept it. It'll be stuck in my head forever. They wanted him to respond. They wanted him to move this way. They wanted him to do that. And they just working on that guy for a long time. And all of a sudden, they said, code blue again, again. Oh, my! Here, here I go again. Nope, it's not for me. It's for the room off to the left. And so half of that contingent, like seven or eight nurses and, and doctors, go over here, and they can yeah. still hear I'm talking over here. And it's just you know all this stuff going on. Like I'm bookended. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm experiencing this in stereo from yeah. my room here in the middle, right? And then I do that thing where you're never really supposed to. I'm like, oh, I'm really happy that I got all of them and that I'm okay. Yeah. Boom. Just on cue, it felt like like getting hit by like a bumper car. or Something like a huge, like jolt. Wow. And it felt like all of a sudden like the room was falling. I actually looked out the window like to the sunset and looking at the, the mountains and realized, no, okay, like I'm not falling. I have my horizon. I'm not – oh, it's me. And so then I'm going to reach for that button that they told me to push, but I can't mm-hmm. move my arm. Oh, no. I go to yell. I can't yell. Uh, now, I'm, now I'm freaking out. Now now I'm paralyzed. I'm in the bed and, and things – like the lights are going out. Things are spiraling. Yeah. I'm starting to recognize the alarms are starting to scream again and everything. But all I can think – is about my kids, mm-hmm. about my wife, and that I'm not ready. Yeah. Uh, when I was nineteen I lost my father to cancer and I was there when he passed away. And I did not want to tell my dad anything but fight and stay with me and don't go. I'm not ready. All that. But I prayed to God and said, like, you know, hey, can can you help me make this this is about him, not me. Right? Like it the the, the numbers on the charts there wasn't really any anything to fight for anymore. Sorry, man. I, I appreciate that. But so through that, I, I got these words that somebody else was holding his hand. You know, we, you're so loved. It's okay. Like, it, it's all going to be okay. You did great. You know, all all of these kind of really reassuring things that I didn't want to say, but I was given the grace to say. Mm-hmm. And here I am, like 19 years later, sitting in a bed, literally life slipping away from me, and I'm hearing that being echoed back. I, I kind of describe God as like the best author. Yeah. In, in the world, he can tell way better stories than anybody else that I know, um, and I'm just here to kind of repeat it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's these, this echo of of those same words that I was telling my father while he was passing away. They're coming yeah. back to me to reassure me. Yeah. And there's this comforting feeling that's kind of coming over, and I know I'm not alone. And I'm listening to those words, and it was just it was it was very scary and touching. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it was in the I was in darkness. It was black, right? But I was still conscious. And I know I wasn't with my body. I couldn't feel the pain anymore. Like I said, I was in a lot of pain. Very, very knowing pain. Mm-hmm. All of that was gone. I was in this, like, I, I kind of can only equate it to when you're in, like, that that winter bed that's, like, the most cozy position, and you wake up, and you're like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, everything's perfect. The, the yeah. temperature of the room's perfect. The temperature of the covers. Warm. It's, the weight is right. You're just you are cozy and comfy, and everything's just, that's how it felt. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just so perfect in so many ways. And not only did I lose my dad when I was young, I lost my grandparents, I, I lost some uncles, aunts, um, I, I lost a cousin at a young age. She was 34 when she passed. Um, it, there's just so many people that I've missed and I've, I've carried a lot of grief for. I don't like to say that my life is defined by yeah. my father's passing, but it's kind of hard to say that your life isn't. Yeah, well, you were young, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's such a foundational loss. Yeah. And I, you know, it took me a long time to deal with that and and a lot of those kind of losses afterwards and i've done a lot of men's work and we'll kind of touch on that in a little bit too but the the thing about it is yeah that that grief kind of becomes defining like that loss that that moment and and everything that comes after it becomes a part of your path Mm -hmm. and you can't really ignore that and i don't ignore it anymore it's just part of my life other people have had it a lot worse Mm -hmm. you know and other people have had it better sure but this is just my path but here I am, and I know I start in this darkness, and I know I'm starting to have conversations. Like, I'm having meet and greets, basically, with my family that's passed before me. Yeah. And it's just this these joyous meetings. I know that they're okay. I know that they're beyond okay. Right? Like, they're good. It is happy. It is good times here on the other side. This is an amazing revelatory thing. And I the best way I can explain this one, too, is that I have a knowing that I had these conversations. Mm-hmm. Like I know that I talked to my dad. I know mm-hmm. that I talked to my grandparents. I know that I talked to my uncles, and I'm pretty well sure that I talked with my cousin. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you the specifics of any of those conversations. It's like but, a barrier. Yeah, like like a, a almost a do not pass go, do not collect $200 on the way back. Wow. And and let's talk about that way back because I was having these conversations and I'm back in that darkness and all of a sudden there's just this this command breathe and again i get that jolt like like hit again like you know I'm, mm-hmm. I'm back in my body i know i'm back in my body i'm feeling pain i'm i'm, I'm kind of aware of, of, of beeping and screeching of, from the machines completely different scenario than where it was previously yeah i am in a different place now and i am trying to breathe and it is not a, a subconscious thing it is not a not an automatic thing mm-hmm. i am working through everything and breathing is Hard. It's like trying to pull apart like two sticky sides of duct tape stuck together. Yeah, that's like, hard. That's possible. My lungs are like imp- have been empty for a bit and I'm, I'm trying to pull them out. I'm trying, to, I remember wiggling to the side a little bit, like trying to roll a little bit, and I finally created enough space where I could start gasping in a little bit of air. And I started working in, in, in kind of a rhythm, right? Like in two, three, out two, three. And that became my mantra. And I went through about four or five cycles of that, and I could I could start opening my eye a little bit. And I started opening my eye, and I'm looking right at that monitor that was hanging out before, and looking at the blue number, which is your blood oxygen saturation, yeah. and it was just coming up to 40, 40%. In in context That's of that, good. you usually lose consciousness around 85%. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm I'm reeling with this. My my heart rate's going, you know, forty, fifty, sixties jumping through the roof at this point, and it's just my body's kicking back on like a hard start. And as I'm kind of conscious and starting to take in the room a little bit, I realize I'm alone. Nobody from the outside told me to breathe. It wasn't like them yelling at the guy in the other room. Like I'm starting to hear that again. I'm starting to hear all the noise in this room, and it's just this wild kind of like a Jon Snow moment, you know? How do you explain that, Kirk? <sighs> god i mean that that's basically the 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 touch of it um the the explanation that this is a case so i did have to kind of look into this a little bit right like yeah yeah like understandable <laughs> but actually i i actually didn't look into it until i gave a, a talk a few weeks back and like okay well if somebody actually asked me because this has been a very personal thing like i actually yeah. went on to facebook i just explained to everybody that i've been bit by a rattlesnake and promised to talk about this part of it but never really got around to it mm-hmm. i wanted that time to kind of digest and get my arms around it and be able to I don't know if you can even say understand but like wrestle with it enough to kind of talk intelligently about what happened. Well yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and so I now that I'm going to be talking in front of all these other people, I'm like, okay, well what if somebody asks? So I look it up and apparently yeah, there's there's a name for this. It's it's called like the Lazarus syndrome or Lazarus effect. Lazarus? Yeah. You know, kind kind of kind of popular dude from the Bible, died died for a little while, Jesus brought him out of the grave. Um but the the gist of that is basically somebody that's gone through basically been kept from dying. And I don't, like I said, I I couldn't tell you if they used the paddles on me, if they were doing CPR, anything. I just knew it was a very chaotic hour and 15 minutes. They were putting like a new drug in my IV like every two minutes during that time that they were working on me in the ICU. They were trying to bring my blood pressure up, bring it back down, get my heart doing this, do that. Um, It it was wild. And and I was kind of pre-med for a while uh, coming out of high school and into college. And so hearing the things that they were saying were not the things that you ever want to hear an emergency crew saying while they're working on you. But the Lazarus Effect says that anybody that's been kind of resuscitated or mm-hmm. CPR or anything like that, there's a chance that they could pass away still after that. Yeah. But in the Lazarus Effect, it's an auto-resurrection or auto-resuscitation. Like your yeah. body just basically kicks back
0: on. That's. Saw, I pulled it up on Google. I'm reading it here. It says, uh, first reported in 1982. Since then, there have been several case reports of the dead coming back. Life following cardiac arrest and even having good long-term outcomes.
1: Yeah, I think when I was looking it up, I, I dug through a couple things. I was like, over the last like 26 years, there was like 38 cases or something like that recorded. <clears throat> Out of the billions of people but coming and-, and going, right? And so, um but it's so interesting to wake up in that room alone, right? And then as I'm kind of gaining kind of perspective and and thinking about it, yeah, no, no, that that really happened, right? Like I'm, I'm remembering my conscious memories of what happened everything's kind of coming back to a point like i said it's kind of like the memories were redacted like mm-hmm. you, there's there's a time and there's a date on the top there's my name on the left and then there's details and it was like yeah it was but you don't get to know the rest of it and so i'm trying to grapple with all that and all of a sudden a nurse kind of comes charging in and she starts looking over at the equipment and she pulling this paper trail it's coming off the heart mission my heart, heart monitor over there and she's like looking at it drawing it out and drawing it out and then all of a sudden she kind of hits a spot oh yeah and she's like Okay. And she <laughs> kinda of pulls it out longer and she just kinda of puts the paper down and goes, Are you okay? And I'm just kinda of sitting in bed and I look at her and I'm like uh, You y- tell me. <laughs> you <laughs> right? get paid to do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like this is this is your thing, not my thing. I I you am I okay? That's
0: when you know something really <clears throat> really happened. Where they're like, uh
1: Yeah. Like when the ICU nurse is like shocked <laughs> that you're upright and, and looking Waving. at it. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Uh, and and yeah, so she le- she leaves, and and it's just this very interesting whole, you know, effect of, of the the shock of her face and the, kind of giving me that confirmation, yeah, something absolutely just happened. And so now I'm kind of grappling back with that prayer that I said earlier, you know, like let's let's trick the devil, yeah. let's let's burn out, you know, what you don't need in me, and and I'm I'm here for you. So now I'm looking at this, and why I brought up that you know kind of charge of being a shepherd earlier. <clears throat> Now I'm back alone in this room. The alarms are getting quiet again. I'm going, okay, God, like, what do you need me for now? Right? Like, Good question. Yeah. And and the word that came back to me was warrior. And I'm like, okay, shepherd to warrior. That's happened in the Bible. What what, what does that really mean? And I didn't truly understand it then, but now I'm starting to understand it a little bit more. Um, I've, I've told this story to friends and, and a small group uh, from my church, and one of the guys I was telling it to not too long ago, I, I really have been pretty quiet about this. And one of the guys, he goes, Man, warrior, that's that's awesome. That's like taking back ground for God. And I was like, yeah, I love that. I'm going to use that. And so that's that's exactly what I've been kind of thinking. And, and so telling this story, I think, is is a huge part of that. I may be writing it down in a book. That's that's kind of been coming, something that might be pretty important for me to share here. Um, but the the process of, of coming back and, and realizing all this and now having kind of this different charge. And, and then there kind of comes to be a survivor's guilt in all of this, too. As as I mentioned, those both those other rooms were were beeping and screaming. And they were still working on them when I woke up. Yeah. Well, later that night, those guys got transferred out of the ICU, and so did I. But those guys got transferred out to the morgue. Oh man, that's unfortunate. Like, I mean, I had I had to watch those guys go out in body bags, and I'm sitting here going, "What right do I have? Yeah. To be sitting in this bed and breathing, right? Like, what makes that scenario different? And I can't, yeah. I don't have an answer for that. I don't. But I do understand kind of the, the blessing of, of the second chance, and that's kind of where I want to start kind of getting into these stories. And and after the fact here, so I, now I'm awake, I'm in the hospital. They actually don't have anything else trippy happen. They do end mm-hmm. up moving me back down to a, a regular room from the ICU. Everything's mm-hmm. stabled out, and uh, they did administer another 14 vials of antivenin. and after that they got me up to the 34, <laughs> and uh, – which actually I was monitored. I want to make a point of this because that's actually all monitored by the poison control. Kind of what that's I was interesting, saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What I was saying about we don't know that much about it. Like all the doctors and and all of their expertise there at the the hospital, turn it back over to poison control and just say well, what do we do? You know, they take blood tests, they take other tests and, and see where your INR, your your clotting ratios are and all that, and they say how what do we do? And then in my case, it was just kind of keep adding antivenin until we get to yeah. where we think fight, we're okay. Fight, fight. And so I ended up, like I said, 34 vials of antivenin. Um, so I'm just sitting there for the next four days, and they finally send me home. And for like 10 days after the bite, my, the back of my hand is just burning. Like it just continues to just feel like it's burning. And don't mean to be gross, but it feels like there's like worms in there. Yeah, oh. Like crawling around. And all of a sudden my finger just goes boop, like just starts hanging. I'm like, well, what is that? it turns out the venom was just so corrosive that it ate through the erector tendon from the back of my finger on the back of my hand. Yikes. So a, a month after the bite, I ended up having a palmaris longus transfer from my forearm to the, yeah, the back Yeah, I could see a scar. Hand. Yeah, pretty nice right little there. scar there. Something, yeah. Something to remember it all by. And uh, yeah, so I mean, this this venom is no joke. But the, the realizations that started kind of pouring out of this um, really started showing up in my journaling. Yeah. And when I started looking into my journaling and, and some of the men's work I do... <clears throat> it, it became very interesting and, and some of I talked about echoes like previously of like the, the words that I said to my father mm-hmm. and then I started looking back into my journaling and there was this like premonition almost like a lot of the journals had to do with with dying up to the point of where like the second to the last one was literally titled I feel like I'm going to die like there was this like closing window of time I had this like feeling of being rushed mm-hmm. and then one of them previous to that was Memento Mori like about you know three or four weeks over that, and memento mori is this old practice made pretty popular by Seneca and Marcus Aurelius, who mm-hmm. was a Roman emperor in the years of like one twenty to one eighty. Yeah, uh, led a huge war campaign, wrote a whole bunch of books about their Stoic philosophy, and his his uh, his book, The Meditations, is one of like it's like the like manual for that. And this process of memento mori is to live every day as if you were going to die. Like, and he wanted to be reminded. He actually had a servant. That would kind of remind them, like, uh, hey, Marcus, it's that time. But I just want to remind you that you're going to die. And as morbid as that is, it's really a thing to make sure that we're spending our time well, that we're living a, a valuable life. Yeah. Like if you were to go out at the end of the day today, is what you're spending your time doing right now valuable? Or are you proud of that? Or is that something that's going to move the needle for your goals and your life and for making a good life for your, your loved ones? Uh, he even goes farther to apply that to, I mean, this one's really rough. So like kind of sit down for this one, but Mm -hmm. like bedtime with your kids, you just became a father last year, right? Yeah. And so as as a parent of two myself, like bedtime, sometimes we rush that, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're, we're ready to get off to, you know, some, some rest of our own. And he says, well, what, what would you treat bedtime as if, if you didn't know your child was going to wake up the next day? (sighs) Right? Hurts. But there's this concept of, would you answer those extra questions? When they ask for another story, would you give them that extra story? Like, what if that was the last interaction you were ever going to have with that cherished child of yours? Mm-hmm. How would you leave that? And it's such a rough thought, but even after I kind of went across that, it's changed so much. I do. I answer more questions. I cuddle more. Yeah. I make sure that I get an extra hug. Sometimes I turn around and give them an extra kiss because it's just, it, what if? Yeah. And for me, it's that, you know, it, the concept goes both ways. Mm-hmm. I am very aware now that I don't have extra time. There is not a guarantee of tomorrow. You might go out for a hard hat and something might bite you. Yeah. You don't have that scheduled.
0: Well, right? you know, I, I think a l- lot of people in our society assume that tomorrow is going to be there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they play life thinking that there's going to be tomorrow Yeah, every time. And they put things off and stuff like that. They get clouded like you're, like you're talking about. You know, it's real easy to get... Stuck in the rat race and go after things that aren't that right, like possessions and materials, and you know the stress that comes with trying to get the next promotion, the time away from family, and stuff like that. So
1: yeah, and I mean we 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 get so focused on those things, like oh that, like you said, like that 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 new house, more space, mm-hmm. or the newer car, or, and there's nothing wrong with any of those. Things. Agreed, yeah. You know, like if if you got it, you want it, you do your thing, mm-hmm. but make sure that you're spending your time on things that really are at the end of the like. When when you're in those last moments, you're not thinking about your car, or your house. I can I guarantee you that.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you had some experience in there. <clears throat> yeah, uh,
1: from from somebody that knows mm-hmm. that's in a, in a very small population of can talk about it afterwards. You don't get to have those kinds of things with you.
0: No, there's no U-Haul on the way to the <coughs> on the way no. to the grave. No, I mean, you you, get, you, can't you don't even take get it that with cheap you. Little belongings back to <laughs> no, the hospital, no. like you can't yeah. throw a bag over your shoulder. Like all right,
1: here we go, all right, right. Yeah, take this. Tie with it with up me. in my knapsack and go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: What you get are those those meaningful relationships, and you and you do you get that you do have that. This is your life moment, where you have everything that you're kind of looking at and going, oh, like I'm done. And, and one of the things that I heard after this, which was like, wow, yeah, that's that's a thunderbolt right there, is a, a definition of of, of procrastination mm-hmm. as the arrogance to ask God for another day to do the things you had time to do today.
0: Ooh. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right to the face. That's
1: Yeah, it's it's not maybe as bad as that bedtime one, but that's another one. Like It really puts it into perspective, like really the arrogance. Yeah,
0: you know, you talking about this stuff kind of reminds me of something I would do when I worked uh, law enforcement mm-hmm. before this. And uh, my wife knew about this too, but every day I would be shaving in the morning before I went to work and be shaving and I'd be staring at myself in the mirror. While I'm looking in the mirror, my conversation with myself is, are you good with what you've done today and yesterday to leave? Yeah. Might not be here. Nothing is guaranteed. And I had that mentality every day going in. I think a lot of, I mean, most law enforcement officers, and there's other professions undoubtedly that you do have to have that conversation with yourself. Yeah. And if you're not, it's when, man, (laughs) I mean, it goes back to thinking about all the stuff that's around you that's so important that we lose sight of. You
1: know. And and thank you to you and, and everybody else you know that's ever worn a badge or, or served the community or our country, um, our, our brave warriors, and, and it's just there's there is that part right of of having to recognize like okay this there's an end, yeah, and and I don't know where it's at, mm-hmm. and and that kind of goes back to that arrogance or, or maybe it is just distraction. Um, for me, I can speak. It was an arrogance of, mm-hmm. of tomorrow, right? Yeah. Like I've got time. And, and really, the, the fact of the matter is we don't know how much time we have. Mm-hmm. I might have another 40, 50 years here. I might have another 40 seconds. Yeah. I, I don't know. But what I do know now from this experience, and I'm trying to kind of get this 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 meaning across, is that everybody in your life should know where you stand, right? You need to be putting your time and investing yourself into the things that are important. Yeah. Uh, if you had, you know, uh, something happened to you, and you only had five minutes. How would you spend that five minutes? Do those people that you would want to spend that time with know? I mean, technically they could. Yeah. Right. Like if we if we were living in the present enough and being intentional enough, those our kids would know, mm-hmm. our wives would know, uh, maybe our our siblings, our family, everybody else around us, our friends. Like let's let's be honest. I got friends that I love. Yeah. As just like as if they were family, you know. So I mean. All of these people, if you're not telling them that you love them, if you're not telling them the truth, like, get on that. That's the bare minimum. Yeah. I want people to get out of this, right? Mm-hmm. But the other side of that is just really spending that time. After the, I mean, this whole thing just kind of gave me this, I uh, kind of said, like, survivor's guilt coming out of the the hospital there when I know those other guys didn't. And I'm, I'm looking at me like, why me? And then that translated over into the holidays. And it, let's take a look at kind of some of my, my journaling from after the fact. I called this last Christmas the Impossible Christmas. Why? because it seemed like it was an impossible thing. I shouldn't be there. Okay. Right? Like it, it yeah. seemed like that it was like an impossible for thing for me to be on the other side and then to be here enjoying the celebration of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was it was a very emotional holiday for me. Like I was I was weeping and crying a lot. And it was not because it was like I was sad per mm-hmm. se, but I was I was just enjoying and and seeing it for what it was. I was I was experiencing Christmas kind of like a like like a baby, again you know, mm-hmm. like a, like a child, yeah. and it's it's so difficult for me to even have these kind of of conversations. I think that's why it's taken me so long to talk about it because there's there's not really a lot of people that can understand what I'm what I'm saying. I can't explain this to my kids. I will at some point, and hopefully they'll listen yeah. to this and and there'll be a lesson kind of taught through whatever. If I don't have the time to do it, but there's there's and even my wife. Like I mean, I've talked about her, the, with all of the COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm. My wife, my mom, they didn't even know that I'd gone through all this until, like, after I got home. Yeah. Like, 72, 80-something hours after this whole thing went down, I was like, yeah, so something kind of funny happened to me. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, their jaws just hit the floor, you know, when I talked about it. yeah. Why didn't you let me know? Well, I mean, like, what could you have done about it? It was kind of my approach. I didn't want to put that extra stress on you all. But, you know, I I do also kind of see the folly of not letting them know. But um, this whole Christmas thing, though, was just wild because – I got to see it for what the miracle of the present was. And, and seeing other people experiencing it, kind of like, oh, this is just another holiday. You know, taking Going pictures. Through emotions, yeah. yeah, like taking pictures with their phone to put it up on the gram. Go visit the in laws. Eh, yeah, it. I yeah. gotta do this, and then I gotta do that. And then there's this thing and that thing we are all busy in, mm-hmm. in the holidays, yeah. right? Like if you got kids especially, like you are you are running here, there, everywhere, and you are ticking off a lot of boxes. That's just part of the game. Mm-hmm. But please just like recognize that take some time to just go, Wow. Like this is special time of year this is a special amount of joy that I'm being surrounded by. Mm -hmm. Like, what if that was your last Christmas? That's been the, that's been the topic of movies before. Like, that's not really a new one, Yeah, but like, we don't take it for the the truth that it really can be. Mm -hmm. And so going through all that and having those new eyes, it's just, it's been very impactful. I'm, I'm hoping to kind of impart some of that, with, with the viewership or, or your, your members here, because we really are just not given any kind of promise on what we have as far as time Absolutely. and runway and what we have coming next. And, and it's just this this idea of being present with your babies, being present with your, your spouse, being present with your family. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just it's kind of cliche as it can be. Yeah. You know, the, they call the present the, a present because it's a gift, right? Uh-huh. But it really is. And, and we get so caught up in all the things that we talked about that we, we miss the value of that.
0: When you were talking about the part where you were hearing voices, when you were in that, that state of kind of just on the other side, mm-hmm. um, you heard from family and, and stuff like that. What did you see and feel from them and the, how they felt?
1: Yeah, yeah. Where they were? Uh, so, again, redacted. Like there's a knowing, I don't know exactly what we talked about, but I do know that they were extraordinarily good. Like it was a joyous thing at, like at peace. Yeah. Totally at peace. Um, everything was fine. They, they, you know, we, we met in a, it was a joyful meeting. I do know that. And, and so there's the, the, the level and magnitude of, of hope that I have for, you know, what comes next. I, like I said about my, my experience kind of left me in, as a teenager, not being able to not deny that there's a God, right? Yeah. And now I'm in a position where I'm not able to deny that there's an afterlife. And I also know that there's plenty of joy and comfort in it. Um and and there's this 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 huge weight that's off my shoulder. You know, I kinda said there's like defining grief mm-hmm. uh, of that other event. That's for the most part gone. So kind of going back to that deal I made with God, you know, yeah. maybe a lot of the stuff that's been holding me back from the things that are, are meaningful for me, like my purpose. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've been blunted by the grief I've been carrying Yeah, about my father, about my grandparents, about, you know, all those wish I could have, if I could have, yeah. you know, what would I do if I had the chance again? All those different questions that can kind of hold us back. Uh, those, are That's all gone. Like I actually left that grief for the dead mm-hmm. with the dead in the place of the dead. Kind of, you know, again, like I can't write this story. I'm yeah, not, yeah. I'm barely able to really tell it with with the level of intelligence that I think it needs <laughs> to be brought. Well, uh, you,
0: well, you can't, you can't draw this up on a on a whiteboard. Yeah, no, you can't, you can't put a diagram together
1: of what you experienced and yeah when how i woke up there connect. wasn't like a pamphlet on the next like oh so you died how to talk welcome. about it thank you for visiting <laughs> yeah like, well, was, welcome back <laughs> yeah, yeah there was there was no uh, no
0: so, so a signature saying that you were there <laughs>
1: yeah no one no, no, little ticket with a punch in it like there was no orientation to come back to life for you know through the experience um but i'm, I'm doing the best i can with it i'm yeah. trying to communicate it well enough uh the idea of kind of putting this in a book is, is definitely do it. out there do it i mean you i got I you know, in, in communicating this story, I, I, we were talking a little bit earlier about it. It's kind of like 300, like the movie, like the, yeah. the big guy favorite, right? Yeah. And you, this big, fantastic, like over-the-top violence that we see and such heroism from King Leonidas. And we realize that, you know, there's this point in the movie where the gentleman that actually is telling the story is being kicked out to go back because he lost an eye. He's like, oh, the gods saw fit to give me two, like trying to say, oh, yeah. But Leonidas then says, well, yeah, but there's only one of us out here that can tell the story. And that's you and you mm-hmm. need to go back. And so we kind of realize that we're on this like fantastic end of the storytelling over there. Yeah. And I promise I'm not adding like I'm just telling you what I can even understand. I'm not <laughs> going Frank Miller on this. Right? Like, <laughs> it, it's, it, but I, I do want to get that out there of just look, if you're missing somebody, you're going to see him again. Mm-hmm. If you're missing somebody, they're in a good, good place. Right. And, and if you're sad about somebody, there's there's room for that grief. I'm always going to miss my father. Yeah, I'm always going to miss my family. There's always going to be a place and an experience that's empty without them at a holiday. That's not going away. But I can't carry joy because I know where they are. Yeah. And I know that they're good. They're beyond good. <laughs> there's that peace that, you know, you know, surpasses all understanding that we talk about. And it's real like that is a real thing. I, I don't understand it, but I can tell you that it's real. Right. <laughs> and I can tell you that there is definitely peace in that whole process. So this has been a very important, very in, like heavily on my heart thing to be be talking about. Yeah. And I know we've been taking a number of swings at getting it done. And, and yeah. you know, hopefully this time we'll have the kinks work. Something's
0: out. been stopping. I, yeah. I, 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 we had to go and uh, we had to go out and sit in the venue because we couldn't put into writing or math or system what happened yeah I mean, like it tests, I, I think all you the testing put up like worked. some blooper <laughs> yeah. like
1: you know, here's here's take one where yeah. the microphones suddenly weren't working and yeah here's take two where the cameras went out and yeah. here's you know take yeah. three where you know just all these different things but and you know i i know how good put it in the book here. man put yeah. it in the book hey i was here at the studio and it uh you know, so but. yeah, it's it, it's wild. I mean, it, but here we are, and and I'm I'm so grateful, and, and I'm kind of getting over that, uh, you know, survivor's guilt thing. I'm just at this point, I'm I'm so blessed every day i wake up i think there's another concept that i've heard you know like what if you woke up and you only had the things that you were thankful for the night before the things you said thank you for yeah like and so i am so thankful every day when i get to look at my babies and when i get to look at my wife and i get to you know things aren't perfect Mm -hmm. but we're looking for progress over perfection you know right but so like remember how blessed you are for the things you do have and so many situations the things that you have are Mm -hmm. somebody else's dream yeah and we forget that especially here in america Like, yeah. like the things that we're like disappointed in, somebody yeah. else can't even imagine to have. Yeah. And so realize that we're doing well and spend your time with the things that are going to matter that you're going to look back on when you, if, I'm sorry that you will, okay, but you're going to end up in a situation where you're looking back on things going. Yeah. This was my life. Just go to the
0: wide angle. If you're having, yeah.
1: So, so things are hiccuping again see, here. She's directing. <laughs> so yeah.
0: But Hey, you know, it's been great having you here. Uh, thank thank you. you for sharing your story. It's, it's, it is just I – get, I get kind of chills when I uh,
1: – This was like the fourth time you've heard
0: it too. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, but I want to thank our sponsors too, yeah. uh, Copper Creek Cookies Fresh Catering and uh, Blueprint Home Services. Thank you for the stuff you guys do. And uh, I want to say if you want to be on this podcast, reach out to us at ltdmedia.net. If you need, uh, you need a webpage, some other online services, Google Ads, you name it, social media, we got you covered. Thank you for listening.